Welcome to Patient Stories. My name is Dr. Bertrand Liang, and these are tales about some remarkable people I've met through the opportunity of being a physician. Listen to the patient. She's trying to tell you what's important to her. Curry was a 44-year-old woman when I met her initially, referred to me because of a peripheral neuropathy. She had had years of slowly progressive decreases in sensation in her hands and feet, and also had a diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis, which had initially been treated with a drug called methotrexate, but then stopped taking it, as she noted, quote, just because, unquote. However, when we started to speak, she noted that she had also developed a severe fatigue and that her hand joints, which had been affected by the rheumatoid disease diagnosed some years before, were also getting worse. Aren't you followed by a rheumatologist, I queried, thinking this would be the usual, particularly given she'd carried the rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis. No, doctor, said the patient, almost defiantly. They wanted to put me on some drug that they called a biologic. I'm a Jehovah's Witness, and I don't accept blood products. I stopped writing. But even so, it seems like you were treated with methotrexate. Did you work with your old rheumatologist for potential other therapies? I asked, somewhat naively. I didn't like what she had to say, so I thought I could take care of this myself, was the answer. Having worked in the biologics field, I knew that Carrie was wrong on two counts. The biologic medication that the rheumatologist would no doubt prescribe for this condition was not a blood product. And the second was that it was made with recombinant molecular biology techniques, that is, by a non-human mammalian cell in a big stainless steel vat. This was not whole blood, as noted as prohibition interpreted in Genesis and Leviticus. I didn't say anything initially in regard to this, but instead noted that we try to figure out what was going on with her neuropathy and talk to her about what we should do once we figured it out. So we scheduled an EMG and CV study, as well as some laboratory tests to help define the risk factors for developing a peripheral neuropathy and scheduled the patient to see me subsequently. The patient's evaluation was quite profound. All of her autoimmune laboratories, which we evaluate for rheumatoid disease, came back floridly positive and to a very significant extent. As well, her nerve conduction studies and EMG showed she had a moderately severe neuropathy, consistent with the diagnosis of a disorder like rheumatoid neuropathy. I knew what this meant. We'd have to have the discussion again around having the patient be treated with a stronger biologic medication according to the American College of Rheumatology guidelines. And that, while I could prescribe this and monitor the necessary laboratory studies and clinical aspects, she really should be followed by a rheumatologist for the other manifestations of the disease. I thought it might be a challenge to discuss this with the patient, so I pulled some articles and infographics about biologics manufacturing before seeing the patient and follow up. When Carrie came back, I relayed the news to her about her test findings. What do we do about it? She asked innocently enough. I began to relay to her that the best therapy would be a biologic of a certain type, that the data were clear on how it could help, and that the American College of Rheumatology suggested that this was the best approach. No way, doctor, said the patient, firmly and shaking her head. I told you, 
That's against my religion. No blood products. I pulled out my materials and began explaining her the process of biologics manufacturing and that these were not blood products and that this was not going to violate her beliefs. I have no idea what all of these figures mean, these pictures, what tanks of steel have to do with anything, said Carrie. Our pastor has been very clear on this. No blood products. What I realized was I was trying to help this patient on the basis of the scientific principles of biologics manufacturing and that she was not hearing what I had to say, both because she didn't understand the scientific language and I was not addressing it from the most important aspect for her, the religious perspective, rather than the medical one I was used to. Carrie, I said, we need to make you better. I'm not trying to do anything that would violate your religious beliefs. Why don't you ask your religious leader again and bring this to him or her, and then we can talk about it again. The patient looked at me skeptically, but acknowledged she would do that. I did have another plan, however, in the meantime as well. After the visit, I sent an email to the social worker with whom we worked with in the clinic. I told her about the situation and asked if there was any way she could find an expert on the Jehovah's Witness faith to be able to at least provide the patient some comfort from the social aspect rather than the scientific one, which would allow her therapy. Our social work group was absolutely phenomenal in many ways and creative in being able to access resources. Within a couple of days, I was able to speak with an academic scholar, a witness himself, and outline the clinical scenario with him. He understood the situation and agreed that therapy would not be in violation with the faith. He did note that most religious leaders were aware of the non-whole blood transfusion issue, but some of the smaller community religious leaders just used the aspect of anything that penetrated the skin as the stopping point just to be safe, and hence the patient's reticence from the guidance she had received. I asked him to send me some guidance documents so I could counsel the patient appropriately. He noted that he'd email them to me in time for the patient's next appointment. When the patient came back to see me, she noted that she'd spoken with her pastor, who professed a level of ignorance about biology. She again noted that there couldn't be any blood products used in this setting, since it was an issue about eating blood. At that point, I showed her the materials from the expert in the faith and noted that it was absolutely reflecting her needs about being able to maintain her religious beliefs and its importance to me, and that this expert, a person of the faith as well, understood the biology and noted it was without issue for the one of the faith to receive it. Carrie noted that she would bring this back to her pastor and get back to me on the acceptability of this aspect. Indeed. Later on that day, I received the message that the patient wanted to go ahead with treatment and another referral to rheumatology. After several months, the patient was finally treated and continues therapy for her rheumatic disease. Unfortunately, her peripheral neuropathy, while stable, hasn't improved dramatically, but we were about to treat the symptoms. And given that her fatigue went away after three months of treatment, the increased activity the patient began to do probably also helped. We as doctors 
always fall to the side of science when we need to make recommendations to patients. And our own biases are projected on what our patients might need to make decisions. It was clear that this was the wrong approach with Carrie. And I learned we need to, once again, take the whole patient into account, particularly when they've told you what's important to them. Carrie had had therapy delayed literally for years because of the biases of her rheumatologist and me. And it took the creativity of our social work department to help sort through the necessary human aspect of the interaction. I'm just glad we at least figured it out in time to improve Carrie's life. Thank you very much for joining me for Patient Stories. Be happy, be healthy, and find peace.